On this week's episode, we welcome former Attorney General Bill Barr. You know, when you think about your history and your service to government and how democracy has changed, when you compare the state of democracy to where we were, to where we are today, what has gotten us to this point? I think, I think there are two things, and it, it requires going back to basics. One is the idea of federalism. That is, don't try to get the national government to do too much uh, and try to keep government closest to the people by having more decisions made closer to the people at the local and state level. And when you try to run a country as a consolidated big national government with 330 million people making decisions that are binding on everybody, uh, it becomes more of a pressure cooker. The stakes are so high, one national rule for everybody. And uh, our system was meant to have a pressure release valve in federalism where, where people can make more local decisions and more state-based decisions. And so that's one thing. Let's have, we, we need to move. One of the reasons the stakes are so high and things are so acrimonious is because we have these big national fights like one rule on abortion, one rule on, on gay marriage, one rule on, on everything, instead of just sort of allowing those to be handled more nationally at, at the state level. Uh, the second thing is we need a multiplicity of voices. Um, the, the framers believe that the big risk of democracy is that a majority can be galvanized to oppress a minority. And, and how do you protect against that? Well, initially we had a big country and they thought, well, it'd be very hard for a majority to rally itself on, on an issue to oppress a minority. But now with modern communications, you can and and social media and so forth. You can galvanize a majority on something overnight almost. So distance no longer protects us from sort of people getting whipped into a mob mentality. What ultimately protects us is having a lot of different voices out there in the marketplace, not just one, you know, monolithic point of view hammering away at the people, but a lot of different points of view. And so it's important we look at high tech social media and, and, and media ownership to make sure that there are diversity of voices. How do you make sure that those voices don't become the very enemy of democracy? Well, in our system, it has to be more voices. Uh, that is, uh, the answer to bad speech is just to have is more speech, more good speech. And, uh, so that's why it's so important not to have things centralized in, in one central arbiter, which we see now with censorship on social media, where they decide what they think the truth is, and they start blocking access of people who have different points of view. Because our system is based on the idea that we will, we will eventually find the truth through the free marketplace of ideas. We have to trust people to have some discernment. And if there's, a, if there's a debate going on and different viewpoints are represented, that'll help us arrive at the truth eventually, rather than have some power decide what the truth is. The people ultimately will, will, will 
gravitate toward it through the process of public debate. But I, I'm afraid our public debate, our discourse is being truncated. Are you concerned about China's rapid exp expansion and how it may surpass the United States in its supremacy? Yes, I think it's the, the biggest danger we face uh, in, in foreign affairs. Uh, you know, the United States has been the technological leader since the beginning of the 20th century, over 100 years of leadership. And that means we're, that's made us prosperous. It's provided opportunity. It's the reason each generation has expected to outdo the generation before it. And it also has provided us security national security and the Chinese have a comprehensive regimented plan of government and everybody in society working toward mastering all the technologies of the future, whether it be artificial intelligence or robotics uh, and uh, stealing our secrets so that they can surpass us. The interesting thing is we're, because of our freedom, we're the innovators. We're the ones that make the discoveries and make the innovations. A regimented society can't do that, but they're having the best of both worlds. They're stealing in our, our innovation, and then they are bringing their regimented power to bear uh, to make themselves the technological leader. What, what are some of the constitutional issues that you face as Attorney General under President Trump that may have divided contributed to or enhanced our state of democracy that you wish you could have gotten a better handle on or to even promote even more? It, it goes back to this issue of, of uh, trying to stimulate more voices in, in the public debate. Big tech, our, our lives are, are being digitalized, you know, our shopping and our public discourse, our, our social exchange with other people. All of that is now being done on digital platforms. And as those get controlled by fewer and fewer companies that come to dominate them and act as gatekeepers, uh, that's, that, that is like taking the public square, the village green, and privatizing it, putting private companies in charge of it and control of it. And that's bad because then they get to censor and they get to decide what people talk about. And they gather all this information about people, all, all their likes and dislikes and everything, and then they can subtly manipulate them in the digital world. Uh, and uh, that's part of the reason that we're, we're seeing more and more acrimony, because they reinforce people's uh, uh, frustrations and so forth, and they tend to drive people to more extreme positions. And I think that to survive, our system has to make has to make sure that these people don't have that kind of power, and we need and, and we need a lot of different players and a lot of different diversity of viewpoints in in the digital space. Do you think that having more than a two party system, a, a really Republicans and Democrats, could that enhance the state of democracy? No, actually, I think uh, a two-party system helps stabilize a democracy. There are going to be fights over different, uh, along the, the political spectrum. Uh, it's just that with a two-party system, a lot of those fights take place within the party. Uh, 
because you don't have the option necessarily of going out and founding a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth party. And, and so those fights that would take place still take place, but they take place within a, a framework. And then you try to reach, you know, a point of consensus within each party. But when you look at the countries that have a lot of splintering, there's a lot of instability in, in the system there, you know, look, look at Israel, uh, you know, constantly having to hold elections and so forth. Uh, uh, I think a two-party system over time helps moderate uh, politics. Uh, it makes change less sudden, uh, more gradual, and uh, it's, it's generally beneficial for democracy. You know, it's fascinating. You're a student of history, and you touch on democracy and the fabric of this country in your book. And people think today that the democracy is more under assault than it has ever been in the history of America. But if you look back at the history of America, we've come a very long way compared to the what we used to do and what we were capable of um, as leaders, elected officials. And so you would say democracy is still growing and it certainly has not reached its full potential yet. Right. I think democracy has, over our history, had many different challenges, both internally and externally. We've overcome them. We've broadened freedom. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in that respect, I think democracy has been successful and more people are the, be are the beneficiaries of that freedom. And I don't think we finished yet. You know, you speak about freedom. How much freedom? Is it ultimate freedom and fettered freedom? And I do know that it's freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly that separates us from all nations. But some people say that our freedom is what causing the chaos in America now. That's right. And, 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 and ultimately, there are two different spheres of activity. There's things that belong to Caesar, that is the government and how much coercion they should be able to exercise, right? And then there is the sphere of, of the family and the private sphere, including religion. And, and we have always thought of those spheres as, as separate, but also as coordinate. In other words, they both have their area of expertise and competence. And this goes back to the idea that uh, the framers thought that we could have a limited government that wasn't telling people what to do and forcing them to do things because people would be able to live, uh, you know, moral uh, lives because of their religious beliefs, essentially, that keep them on the straight and narrow. And the lesser of that you have, the more people try to bring the government in as a, as a control mechanism. And uh, I feel that it's very important uh, for us to rediscover the importance of religion as the basis of a free society. And uh, I'm, I'm afraid that the, the government can't get into the business of, of teaching religion or forcing people or pushing people to religion, but it should get out of the way and it should stop its hostile posture toward religion because I think naturally people will be drawn back to it the more they see the hollowness of life without it and the chaos of life without it. When you think about January 6th, 
historians will say that the assault on de democracy was ramped up and changed uh, on January 6th when they stormed the Capitol. Some would say that Trump's actions fomented the atmosphere for that to happen. How do you put in perspective what happened on January 6th and the context of whether it was an assault on democracy or there is a better way to describe it? I think it was a riot that got at, I mean, it was a, it was sort of a mob-like crowd. Uh, some were legitimate protesters who weren't acting like rioters, but it was a riot that got out of control. And maybe there was a small group there that wanted to break into the Capitol to stop the count. But I don't consider it an insurrection. And I don't think the government was ever in any real danger. And I think it was sort of a Keystone Cops exercise. Uh, I mean, I, I just thought it was a harebrained idea. Uh, and uh, who, whose ever idea it was to try to get into the Capitol. And uh, it was easily dealt with. And I don't think there was any, any jeopardy to the election being uh, consummated. I think the danger to democracy is the same what the framers said in Federalist Papers number 10, which is they felt democracy would be destroyed ultimately if the majority of 51% could rule it over 49% as if the other 49 don't count. And they try to force things down their throat. With, and, and, and I personally think it's a greater threat to democracy when we see a Congress that is barely a majority, you know, the, the Democrats don't have more than 50 senators, you know, trying to force very fundamental changes on society with, with a bare majority and even talk about doing away with the filibuster, which is meant to slow things down and make sure there's a broader consensus. If a small group just forces massive change on society with a bare majority, that's how you destroy democracy. That's what the framers thought. Do you believe that the defunding of police movement would have eventually, had it not stopped the change, would have been an assault on our democracy? Well, it's, yeah, I think a defund the police movement would have... <laughs> It would have just led to utter chaos in, in, our, in our cities and in our, in our communities. And, and uh, I, I always thought that it was something that would ultimately defeat itself because as I gave a speech when I first became AG again under Trump and said these, these DAs and, and the fact that people uh, are not enforcing the law in these cities, uh, it's going to be self-correcting because crime is going to get out of control and people are going to get fed up and deal with it. What gives you hope? about this American democracy. So many years you've served, from Bush, Trump, and other capacities. Where do you feel that people need to look more often where they don't? You know, we're going through a very polarized, bad time. I think the media has a lot of responsibility for that. The sensationalism, the partisanship, uh, makes people, uh, you know, it's, it's not bringing the full story to people. I think there's a silver lining in this Ukraine situation, which is it reminds people about some of the basics, how important freedom is, what it's all about, how important uh, love of country is, willingness to, to uh, sacrifice for freedom, and how the rest of the world ultimately depends upon the United States for their liberties, their independence.
uh, the United States is the, uh, is the backbone of NATO. What NATO is all about is people getting uh, the United States lined up behind them. And I think more of the world sees, more of the free countries in the world see the importance of that. So I, I think the current administration isn't going to take advantage of this window of opportunity, but I do think future administrations will, and it could help restore America's confidence. Uh, it'll reawaken America, Americans to uh, the blessings that we have in this country. And the a feeling of uh, of solidarity of other you know you look at the ukrainians staying behind fighting for each other uh and you know that's the kind of solidarity and kinship we need in this country feeling like this person is american you know they're my brother and uh i i think that maybe coming out of the situation in europe may be a rekindling of that feeling What's the title of your book? One Damn Thing After Another. Isn't that what democracy is all about? Of course. It's really, your book is a tribute to democracy. Always about it. One right. thing after the next. Right. Never stop it. <laughs> it's inherent in human beings, and is, you know, and democracy is a way of human beings living together. And uh, we'll always have some, uh, you know, some discombobulation. Particularly for you, there are tough situations you had to work through. There are situations that has never been presented before. There are situations that come back in a different way, but you got to work through it. And, and it's, the, the bottom line here today about whether America's democracy is under assault is America is still a work. We're young yes. in progress. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Attorney General um, Bill Barr, thank you so much. joining us on another episode 